Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Coming up is Ellen Stewart stepping in as guest host of the Dr. Pat Show on 1150 AM KKNW and TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, welcome, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. I'm Ellen Stewart, and I am the pushy broad from the Bronx. I am subbing today for Dr. Pat, so good morning, Seattle, and good afternoon, West Coast. I have a really special show for you today. We're doing an exclusive episode of Recovery Recharged. Today, we're going to talk about some tips and tools that will work for everyone interested in recovery and also interested in moving your life forward. I have a very special interview with a friend of mine and a colleague, David Blackwell. We're going to talk today about how a recovery coach helps someone stay clean and sober. And we're also going to talk about how you keep your life on track with powerful tips and tools from David and from myself. So let me introduce to you a good friend and colleague of mine and tell you a little bit about him. David is a professional, well-known and respected uh, colleague in the addiction treatment field. He's worked in mental health and addiction for more than 30 years. He's got a master's and an EDS in counseling and psychological services. He served as a counselor in private practice for over 16 years. He's worked in treatment and in rehab with some of the finest facilities in the country. He's been a professional executive scream-free and recovery coach for quite some time, and now he's chief programming officer of K-Recovery in Atlanta and across the United States. Welcome to David Blackwell. David, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to see you, Ellen. It's good to see you, too. We've been doing this for a while now. You and I have been in private practice as recovery coaches for quite some time. And I based my entire show, Recovery Recharged, on helping people learn how to stay clean and sober and also um, showing people what recovery coaching is all about. But I thought that I would open up a little bit and have a conversation with you today so that we can give everybody out there some tips and tools that we use in recovery so that everybody can benefit uh, with a little bit of self-development. So my first question today for you is, when somebody says to you, what is a recovery coach, David? What exactly do you do? What do you say? First of all, I say, um, a lot. (laughs) <laughs> when someone asks that question, because it's 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 uh, it doesn't lend itself really well to an elevator speech, you know, uh, it, it's rather complicated, isn't it? Uh, what a recovery what a recovery coach does is uh, uh, actually gets kind of in the life of the person that's uh, uh, the client and helps them move forward through the recovery. Actually, walks the path with them. 
and uh, uh, also, you know, through that, uh, tries to help them bring vibrance and vitality back to their life. You know, one of the things that absolutely saddens me is that people get the idea uh, that sober means somber. And uh, uh, I, I hate that. I hate that. So bringing vibrance and, and beauty back into a person's life is what really makes me enjoy what I do. I understand. You know, <clears throat> many clients also say to me, boy, if I stop drinking or I stop drugging, I will not know how to have a good time. All of my good times will be done, right? And I'm sure everybody's feeling that way because people go out to party, they go out to dinner and everything is surrounded about, uh, about, I'm going to have this drink or I'm going to have something, um, some kind of mood enhancing or mood altering drug to make my life feel better or to have a great time. So what you're basically saying is just because you stop doing drugs or you stop drinking, it doesn't mean the fun goes out of your life, correct? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The, the, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. And I'm in the South, of course. So, uh, you know, how do you enjoy sports without alcohol or drugs? You know, it's something that every sports season is kind of tense when it's the first time you've gone through it sober. Uh, that's kind of hard for a lot of folks in the South. Um, also every family get together, every holiday, what do you do? How do you, and how do you have fun? And then of course, you and I've both worked with a lot of artists of one kind or another. How do you be creative without drugs or alcohol? And there's so much fear when you first get sober that the creativity is going to stop too, you know? And the most amazing thing and the best part of recovery is that the creativity first begins when you get clean and sober. The fun just starts beginning when you get clean and sober. And that's the miracle of being recovery. And that's what a recovery coach teaches you, that the true high is an organic high, so to speak, and um, feeling your brain working at its optimal capacity by being clean and sober. So there is the miracle. So there are many different ways to approach recovery coaching. As you said, we help a person form a plan of action. We direct the person to the right resources. And you also do something in that vein as well. So give us an an example of what you do. Should somebody really need help? What is your process for getting them help beyond your coaching at the moment? Let's say they need residential treatment. Right. Well, in the very beginning, that's it. It's assessing the level of care required, uh, helping a person find the right place. You cannot trust the internet for this. It's uh, uh, the wild, wild west on the internet when it comes to recovery. Um, There are internet shills out there that build some places up, others that go in and tear other places down. The internet is absolutely not your friend. You need someone who actually goes out, kicks the tires, knows who these places are and helps uh, with the right placement. And then there's also this problem that a lot of people run into and that they have help coming from one segment, help coming from another segment. Like maybe they've got uh, a a counselor that's telling them one thing, they've got uh, uh, an intensive outpatient program that's telling them another, they've got uh, a sponsor telling them something else. And finding having someone that's in the center of that that can help you integrate all of that information is really important it's really important 
important. You're right. Not only from the addict's point of view, but we get so many listeners here and I get so many calls from parents and families. Every single parent and family member out there is now faced with the fact that during the pandemic, we have been isolating. Alcohol sales has been up five, 500%. Kids have been doing things that and experimenting in different ways. Uh, parents are being um, faced with things that they never thought they would see before. So we have parents and families who are desperate for help and do not know where to turn. One of those places to turn, which will navigate the whole uh, uh, panorama of services is to seek out a recovery coach, right? Like the push yes, you brought from absolutely. the Bronx or like David Blackwell in Atlanta, which will navigate the kinds of treatment someone needs the next step for that person seeking recovery. How, tell, tell us a little bit about how you do help families. Well, that's, you know, one of the funniest things uh, that I experience, I think, is the expression on a family member's face when five or 10 minutes into the conversation, I ask them what they're doing for themselves, you know? And uh, I am as available to family members as I am to my clients. In fact, I kind of see the entire family as a client. It, it is a systemic problem, right? It, it's something that affects everybody in the, in the family. I've had family members that have argued with me about that. And then I ask them, well, tell me, who do you think has been obsessing about making up a name Jack and his use more in the last 24 hours, you or Jack? And then they go, oh. <laughs> but when I ask them, what, uh, what are you going to do for you? The, the expression I get, you know, the expression on the person's face is just uh, priceless. Like, oh, yes. uh, me? Yes, <laughs> you. <laughs> yes, you. What are you going to do for you? And I will help them find therapy if they need therapy i'll help them find groups there are great support groups around the country of course Al-Anon and coda but there are other groups as well uh, uh much more you know privatized sorts of groups like uh, uh in atlanta there's a great one uh called uh, the prodigal child ministries and uh uh you know there are all kinds of resources like that around the country that i try to get people hooked up with but ju just as important i try to make sure that they understand that i am available and if they have a problem with something that's going on, instead of rushing into the person's room, you know, the, the, uh, the family member they're concerned about, instead of rushing into that person's room and yelling and screaming at them or trying to police their, their uh, recovery, call me, call me, you know, let's talk about it. And then if something needs to be confronted, let me do that. You know, I want to take that off your hands for a while. Because as we all know, <clears throat> when you become the policeman for someone else's recovery, it doesn't help anybody. No, it doesn't. On top of which, family members are so exhausted by the time they seek oh, help. God. Right? They yeah. are just, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> they are just, well, please, somebody take this and fix this because I don't know what to do anymore. Pulling their hair out of their head, screaming and yelling. So it's a very big relief for them to say, God, I don't have to deal with this anymore. This person, this recovery coach uh, is going to be the buffer between right. between me and the world exploding. That's right. And, and, that's and you've, never, you've never seen anyone look happier than when you look at a family and say, you are now fired as the policeman of so-and-so's recovery. You know, uh, I've, you know, people aren't usually overjoyed about being fired, but family members certainly are in this situation. I've You're seen fired. families break down and cry. 
Yes. Yes. In relief. In relief. In joy. Oh my God. I don't have to deal with this anymore. I don't have to wait and watch for my husband to come home and wonder about how many liquor bottles he's hiding or, or worry about the fact that my wife is driving the kids around drunk or, or now I don't have to really be the buffer to find out whether or not my kid is vaping marijuana because now I have a professional. And that is why what we do is so important and so Uh. urgent and so paramount to helping families in general. So if you have a question about this, I know Dr. Pat uses this time as a call-in show. We will do the same today. So take a look. I'm sure there's a number on the screen someplace and and we'll get it on Transformation Talk Radio here so that you can call in and ask myself or David a question, anything about recovery, we'd be happy to help you and uh, we'll move on from here. So going forward, because we talked a little bit about it, I just want to um, talk about very, very briefly what a coach does in practice just initially, and then we're going to take a break. Okay, so David, let's give us a little encapsulated one-minute version of of a, the kinds of things that you do. Well, of course, there's a you know coming up with a a uh, a plan of action, you know steps, how to get from one step to the other. Um, connection is vitally important, you know, throughout the entire process. Uh, isolation is the killer, right? So uh, that connection is part of the cure. Having that real connection is really powerful. But uh, putting together a, a, a step-by-step plan and helping a person meet those goals and you know get where they want to go is real important. Right. The plan is the most important thing. When we come back, I'm going. To, we're going to talk about how a recovery coach accomplishes these things with their clients and how we've actually helped people and then all the tips and tools and tricks that you need. All right, we'll be, we'll be right back. Break your snooze button habits for good with the Soul Stretching Sisters on the I Am Power Hour with me, Terry J. Walker. And me, Dr. Pat, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Pump up your spiritual muscle as we share stories. Aspire higher. And live a whole lot larger. To help you unleash your powered up. Pumped up. I am soul stretching success. Anything can happen when we take to the airways. And all things become possible during the I Am Power Hour. Imagine starting your week off with a teaching, a clearing, and an activation direct from the God Consciousness. If you would like to feel more in charge of your week ahead, then I personally invite you to join me, Tracy L. Clark, for our monthly Soul Sunday non-denominational service at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, online or in person. All donations for this event go to the TLC Initiative Fund to help those in need. Sign up now at tracylclark.com and let's connect together in the glory realm. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hello, I'm Carrie Kadambi, and this is your Spirited Exchange Moment. Do you want to be the best you can be? Do you want to live your dream life? Anything is possible when you choose to consciously evolve. 
Begin by noticing your reaction to things in your everyday life. When a reaction is uncomfortable, this is a sign that there's an inner root cause that has triggered you and it's calling out to be healed. Take action to transform and heal those limiting beliefs or trauma experiences that no longer serve you. Take time daily to recognize your reactions and then set out to heal and release them using one of many somatic healing modalities available. How will you choose to evolve today? Join me on Transformation Talk Radio for my show, A Spirited Exchange. For more information about me, visit thedivineguidancegift.com. Divine Transmissions Radio with host Lisa Marie. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com, where Lisa Marie, Shakti Ma, helps you to reach deeper levels of the self and create a powerful space of healing, learning, and transcendence. Divine Transmissions Radio. For more information, visit ShaktiMa.net. That's S-H-A-K-T-I-M-A.net. Coming up is Ellen Stewart. Stepping in as guest host of The Dr. Pat Show on 1150 AM KKNW and TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome back, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart. I am the pushy broad from the Bronx, and this is my show, Recovery Recharged. I am subbing today for Dr. Pat, but if you want to hear an exclusive interview with Dr. Pat this evening, then please join me and her on my show tonight, Women Who Push for More. 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, an exclusive one-on-one interview with the original Pushy Broad and the woman who pushes for more, Dr. Pat Basile. So join us this evening at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Right now, on our, my special episode of Recovery Recharged, I have my very special guest, David Blackwell, who is also a recovery coach. And we have been talking about how recovery coaches help addicts and people in recovery and families walk through the path and begin to develop their lives free from alcohol and substance misuse. We were talking about the first steps in that process. And David, I want to go back a little bit and talk about exactly what happens in the beginning and the importance of something called an assessment. So explain that to us, please. In the very beginning, what I like to do with every client is try to find out where they are, what they've tried, what worked, what didn't work, uh, what, uh, what their personality is like, how they learn is very important. Uh, what, uh, uh, what kind of family connections and support they have. All of those things are so important if you're going to structure a, a, uh, uh, a customized plan to, to deal with someone. One of the things that we forget about in, in mental health and in, in medicine is that everyone is a unique organism. We have similarities, obviously, but Every one of us is unique. No one in the world has had my DNA and my exact set of experiences from my, my perspective, you know, standing in my shoes. No one's had that. And one of the things that a lot of my clients, I think, uh, find comforting is that I don't assume I know what they're dealing with. And I don't assume I know the answer. Um, frequently, I'll get a phone call from a family and and uh, uh, they'll be surprised 
that we'll have a conversation and I don't shoot an answer out for them. And the response usually is one of gratitude because I'm not talking to people who have inferior intellect that uh, are incapable. I'm talking to very capable individuals who have run against something more complex than they know how to handle or know how to deal with. And having the respect to believe that I need more information, I think is the most important stepping stone in the very beginning, you know, to, to begin it with respect and to continue that way. And to uh, understand that addiction is a disease. It is not yes. something that any of us chose. And I've been very honest and upfront on my recovery recharge program, spending 34 years in recovery, that it is a disease and not something that I chose and not something that people with an active addiction choose to happen. So uh, because of that, we have the same compassion when we talk to our clients as we would with somebody that has diabetes or cancer. It would be the same kind of thing. So making an individual assessment and choosing to treat people on an individual basis is a really important way to go. I also want you to explain a little bit to everyone out here, because I get this question all the time. So I want your point of view. What is the difference in your, in your mind between how a coach reacts to somebody as opposed to a therapist? So talk a little bit about the difference. Well, a therapist, of course, is uh, someone who begins from a clinically detached position, which is necessary, right? It, it helps, uh, helps them avoid things like transference and whatever, you know, but it's necessary to begin from a clinically detached position. And a coach is much less so. A coach is actually involved with you. A coach is actually uh, more available more frequently, and uh, it's more personal. It's not, you know, white coat and clipboard, you know, it's, it's very personal and very real. It's a very real relationship that I have with my clients. Uh, therapists are important and I refer to therapists constantly and I work together with therapists all the time. Uh, very few of my clients don't have therapists, very, very few. But that modality is missing a piece and in coaching, that piece is availability. My clients are not well served by spending an hour with someone and waiting a week before they get another hour. You know what I mean? That's not when cravings happen. <laughs> exactly. During and that's that hour. <laughs> That's right. That's what people don't understand. As part of recovery coaching, we're available basically 24-7 so that, um, you know, like like you said, crises or cravings don't happen Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. They happen at 2 o'clock in the morning. They happen Saturdays and Sundays. They happen in a way that we have to be available. And you are right. As far as I'm concerned, the biggest, biggest reasons why I went into coaching is because it's a more of an interactive situation. I am upfront and personal. I am letting you know what's going on. I am not spending our entire time together, always asking you, how do you feel about that? Okay. I'm, I'm interested in how you feel, but I am also giving you feedback and giving you some expertise, not only as a recovery coach, but from my own personal point of view as a recovering addict. So I bring another component to it as well. 
Um, but you, like you said, instant availability, which is which is something that uh, people don't understand and people really appreciate when it comes to that. And not only for our recovering addicts and alcoholics, but we are also instantaneously available to their families as well, correct? Right, right. Yeah. And uh, if, you're, if you're going to fire them as the police of their loved one's uh, uh, recovery, you, you better be available, you know, to, to talk to them. And I, I'll admit uh, that gets heavy sometimes. And uh, I have at times dropped the ball and been less available than I wanted to be. Uh, but uh, uh, that is the goal, is to be instantly available to every one of them and their families all the time. Uh, now, what's funny is I've not had but one or two uh, abuse that at all, you know. Yes, uh, I find I, that my clients I, are very respectful. They are. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I usually say in the beginning, there's no limit to how many times you can call me unless we run into a problem. If we want to run into a problem with that, we'll discuss it. But assume <laughs> that there's say, no limit. Right. I always say to my clients, if you want to stay miserable, don't call me. The choice is yours. <laughs> <laughs> good that's good i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that one actually that's fine you want to stay miserable don't call me it's up to you um and also to my my, all the transformation talk radio listeners know that pushy broad from the bronx has an 800 number 800-889-1757 so i give you that same uh, same challenge if you want to stay miserable don't call me and all of you know that i'm doing a free 30 minute covid19 session for stress and anxiety so you can take advantage of that at pushybroadfromthebronx.com. So before we go into all the tools and tips and tricks, I just wanted to touch on something that is kind of the norm in our country and, and something that recovery people know something about, but lay people do not know anything about. And that is the Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous programs in the country. We are not going to give anything away. I am not advertising anything or sponsoring anything, but I just wanted to come at it from the point of in this country for treatment of alcohol and drugs, the most popular treatment program, the the most popular modality in this program is something called 12-step recovery. So why don't we encapsulate this a little bit for the lay person out there without breaching any anonymity or breaking any traditions. David, give me some comments on this. Well, one of the things that we know, uh, we've learned so much in the last 10 years about addiction, so much. And one of the things that we know for certain is that. Oh, we lost you. Can't hear you. You muted a little bit. Okay. We'll wait for you to come back. There you go. Are you back? No. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see. We'll work on David. But one of the biggest things in 12-step recovery is that um, we have a treatment modality in this country that seems to work just by following along a set of guidelines and principles that have worked since the books were first written in 1939. And even though we know a lot more, the best thing about it is that some of the tried and true 
workings and steps are still very powerful today and something that we could use not only in the rooms when we talk about active addiction and when we're trying to stay clean and sober, but certainly when we are using them in everyday life. So, Ellen, I am back. I had a there glitch. You are. I apologize. Okay, and I, I have it was an unexplained glitch, and that is technology. One of the things that everyone needs to understand is to expect the expected, and that technology doesn't work hundred percent of the time is one of the expected. Look, I'm a big fan of 2001 Space Odyssey, <laughs> and everybody that has ever seen 2001 Space Odyssey, <clears throat> and I am dating myself, will know that as far as I'm concerned, every time I go online, Hal takes over. <laughs> This is highly irregular. And I can tell you the producers producers of the show don't even know what we're talking about. That's how old I am. So (laughs) I don't know about I don't know about that. (laughs) I might have seen it a few times. (laughs) Uh So, David, continue. You started to say that we have come a long way and we've learned some things along the way. So let's one of the most important things I think that we've learned is that being a part of a non-judgmental, non-subjugating community actually changes your brain chemistry. Not just your chemistry, but your brain physiology. And that is an incredibly powerful thing in the 12-step rooms. Explain Uh, that a little more. It is a non-judgmental, non-subjugating environment. And the 12 steps themselves are designed to teach me that I'm not the only one who's ever experienced this, that my most shameful things are not so bad, that uh, uh, there's a way out of that. And all of those things serve to keep me isolated, right? But the 12 steps are designed to help bring me back and bring me into community. We know from dozens and dozens of animal and human experiments that the more isolated I get, the more primitive I become. And the higher functions that I have are not available when I am primitive like that. Um, But being in community, you know, you take any primate out of its community and it goes primitive. And uh, so the point, one of the big points of the 12-step communities is to put you in a community, one that doesn't subjugate you, one that doesn't judge you, and one that supports you. And that is when human beings thrive. And so, yeah, I mean, even with people who are not suffering from addiction, some kind of community like that is vital. It is. And that's why there are so many people that can benefit just from reading the 12 steps of recovery, whether Mm -hmm. or not they are going through an active addiction. And also understanding that it it helps in a variety of ways. I mean, it's not just alcohol and a mood altering substance. We can talk about addiction in terms of um, overeating and eating disorder. We can talk about addiction in terms of gambling, pornography, sex addiction, Um, anything that drives you to utilizing an an external substance or a behavior that that is a compulsion to escape uh, what you need to be facing at the moment. So that's something that is really important. And you're right. In today's world, we have learned that the opposite of active addiction is now community, not so much recovery, but recovery coupled with community we must be a part of something in order to realize that we're okay right right and in our in our society also today uh we have an illusion of community 
you know, the online communities, uh, social media, uh, all of that serves to look like community, but it's not real because you don't see me. You see a username and I operate through that with some sense of anonymity, which doesn't really exist, but we, we think it does. And uh, it's not real. Uh, well, even even with Zoom meetings and things like that, they're I think they're valuable and much better than nothing. But something about being in a room with people, which I know with COVID-19, it's so hard, but being in a room with people and interacting and letting them see what's happening with me on my face, letting them uh, feel the angst that I'm carrying and recognizing that the people around me are not aghast by what I'm saying, you know? That's true. And we've had a tough time simply because, like you said, during the pandemic, we cannot congregate in rooms for meetings and we have to do it this way. And we have to sit face to face in a Zoom confrontation or we have to maybe just do telephone meetings and something is lost. There is no question, which is why recovery coaches like you and I are busier than ever because exactly right. we need the connection. So we go out with our masks and we sit out outside and we go six feet apart and we make that physical connection to tell people that we're here for you. I've had to get so creative in finding ways to meet with folks safely throughout this. Uh, but I have a number of people that if it were not for us finding ways to get together, they would have no human contact, contact whatsoever. And uh, this is an important time for what you and I do. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that a, a, a good coach does is helps bridge the, that gap between the time a person first realizes the isolation they're in and their introduction into a really good, vibrant, recovering community, whatever that looks like for them. And, and bridging that, that gap is, so, yes, and bridging that gap is so important. Being that person, that real person that they can call that real person that they can come see that real person they can go on a walk with or have a cup of coffee with uh and until a person has their community and has a sponsor uh that is so vital and then after that it's still important because it helps like i said before integrate all of that information that they're getting from so many different sources it does. It does. So now I think we're going to give everybody a little treat because I know we have put together a really good list and I want to try to get to as many as we can. I feel like um, I feel like Dave Letterman, you know, the top 10 inspirational, right? That's <laughs> sure. feel like his top 10 stuff here. But we've put together quite a few and I want to at least get to the top 10 and see where we go from here because we're about, I don't know, 20 you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes away from the end. But so top 10 inspirational addiction or Alcoholics Anonymous sayings and what they mean or recovery tips and tricks. And some of these are oldies, but goodies. And I want you to understand that whether or not you are suffering from an addiction, you can really benefit from these words. So I need you to take some to heart and maybe take them with you. This is a brand new season. For some people, we think of September as a brand new year. We are rolling past some things. We're opening ourselves up a little bit more. Some of the pandemic is, is dying down. 
down in some areas. We're getting out a little more. We're beginning to move out of the, the summer haze into the fall where change is happening. So let's take some of these things and David and I will break it down so you can take these tools with you in the fall. Okay. So David, what's, what's the first one on our list? Well, the first one is easy. Does it, you know, but the, you know, it's important to understand when you hear these things, it's very easy to roll your eyes and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do have a tendency to sound trite or to sound overused. But the important thing is that they actually are valuable and it's important to kind of embrace the corniness of it and go ahead and, hear it, you know, and try to figure out what it means for you. Um, it is so common for a person to go into a 12-step meeting and hear these sayings and think it sounds like a mantra from a cult. And uh, that's not what's really going on. These are principles, which means there's something that usually pans out to be true that should be taken to heart and can have a real impact in your life. And easy does it is one of them. We have a tendency to overcomplicate everything don't we oh my god yes not only overcomplicating the rooms and everything else but in our lives in our everyday lives whether or not you're in recovery we try to make a big thing out of everything and worry about and stress about every single move we make and when i talk around to my turn around to my clients and i say slow it down easy does it that kind of puts a stop sign in front of them and they realize what's actually important because they're running like a freight train. So we really have to slow our brains down and easy does it is a simplified way of saying, whoa, okay, put the brakes on, just whoa. It's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of the first step in, in uh, uh, mindfulness, isn't it? Because we have a tendency to chase problems that are not in our room. Right. You know, chase thing, <laughs> right. you know, we have a tendency to chase all these things that are a problem there, maybe, right. or were a problem in history or a problem in the future, but not right here, right now, where I am. Exactly. You know? and, and you're and, right. Yeah. And the, the information technology we have right now makes it kind of worse. We hear about everything that's happening everywhere in the world immediately. And that is uh, not particularly healthy, you know? It goes, I've always said that this is an addict's, active addict's dream because an active addict wants what they want when they want it and they want it right now. And that's exactly what happens in IT. You get what you need right now. So we really do have to take heed and easy does it. And the second one is just as powerful. And that is just as simple. Keep it simple. Like you said, Stop overcomplicating your life. Stop reading into a million things. Stop trying to make problems where there are no problems. Stop trying to create anxieties and stress where there is no anxiety and no stress. Correct? Keep it simple. Would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, most of my problems are things that I have harbored, you know, and I think it's funny when we talk about harboring resentment, talk about, you know, harboring, you know, whatever, uh, I have a tendency at times to harbor anxiety, you know, in other words, keep it somewhere safe where I can hold on to it and right. love on it and pet it and use it when I want it. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, when, uh, if I can just relax and let that go and recognize the fact that feelings come and go and that's normal, that they're not supposed to be permanent, 
understanding the fact that feelings are not true. They're neither true nor false. They're just feelings. Yes, that's my big one. Feelings aren't facts. Feelings aren't facts. They're just feelings. Your feelings can change. One minute you're happy, one minute you're sad. Feelings can change. If you don't get anything else from this hour, you need to get that, okay? Feelings aren't facts. They are just feelings. Just because I feel it doesn't make it true. That's right. When I was when I was a teenager, I felt like I was ten foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> that was absolutely not true, <laughs> exactly. but I felt it. Exactly, you know. exactly. That's the number one thing. I love yelling at that. I mean, yelling that to my clients. Feelings aren't facts. Get over your feelings, for God's sakes. Stop well, that's because you're a pushy. Up. That's because you're a pushy broad. <laughs> that's why. Broad. That's right. That's right. I like the next one too. Okay. We are only as sick as our secrets. Let's talk about that. Oh, my stars. Um, I have had so many situations where a person has this deep, dark secret that they've been hiding forever. And they will tell me till they're blue in the face that it has absolutely nothing to do with their recovery. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> let's put let's deal with recovery and i'm going to keep this hidden right. over here right and what's so fascinating to me is how quickly their recovery begins to advance when that secret comes out because what it does is when i hold that in the back of my mind there's always this thought that says if you really knew me if you really knew that thing i'm hiding here you wouldn't accept me and that keeps me so isolated. If I can pull this out and you go, yeah, <laughs> I'm not isolated anymore. Right. You exactly. can love me and accept me instead of the face I'm trying to show you. Exactly. You know? I, yeah. I think of it as, as um, really getting ourselves out of the mud. Okay. If yeah. you're still in the mud up to the waist and, 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 and you know, your torso is up out of the mud and you're talking, you're saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm not drowning, I'm not drowning. Half your body's still in the mud, <laughs> as far right. as I'm concerned, no matter what. You gotta get all the way out of the mud to make sure that you're gonna be okay. And that's what I think of when I think of you're only as sick as your, your secrets. Um, well, the other I- side of that too, the other side of that too, is that when there are family secrets, that perpetuates the disease. Yes, it does. You know. Yes, yes. Let's not tell. Let's not tell anybody that John is suffering from uh, drinking too much, or, or I don't want to tell anybody that this has happened a long time ago, and and this is responsible for some of the trauma in Mary's life, or whatever that is. All of those secrets play on how we react as adults and how we develop. So we have to get all those secrets out. There's no question. And that right, was let- harder to do eight, eight months ago. Eight months ago, you could say you know, hey, I'm calling in sick, and then someone would have a follow-up question. Yes. With COVID-19, yes. you call in sick, they don't expect to hear from you for two weeks. That's right. That's exactly you know? right. You're right. And, uh, so what's the next one? Uh, first things first, which is interesting because it's actually fourth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then our next one we have here is first things first. What, what, uh, what do you think about with that one? 
Well, I think that that it's just so it's a for me, it's a mindfulness thing that makes it a mindfulness thing for me, because I you can run down the list of things. I have clients that start talking to me about something that they that they really need to get out. And all they keep talking about is stuff that 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 is going to be happening or stuff that they need to do. And they give me 10 different things that they're worried about. And then I try to bring it back to them. And that's when I turn around and say, first things first, because this, I believe, helps the logical mind. I'm a teacher. I've always been a teacher. And for me, it's thinking in a linear progression of things. What's the first thing you want to accomplish? What's the first thing you want to do? Wherever your feet are, that's where your brain has to be. What's happening now? And also what we do as recovery coaches, I think that we are solution oriented. So let's get to the first situation and find the first solution for it. So that's what it means to me. What about you? Yeah, I, had, I, had a, I had a client years ago that, that uh, was feeling really overwhelmed with all of the paperwork stuff he needed to get done for his company. He owned his, his own company. And uh, uh, he just was overwhelmed and that made him freeze. Right. But what got him out of that was making the goal to just open his laptop, plug in the charger and boot it on, boot it up. You know, that's it. Just that one thing. That's right. That was the only goal. And, and that within was five minutes. Yeah. And then within five minutes, he was working on a spreadsheet that he had been needing to work on for a long time. Because after you do that, after you have it all booted up and everything, well, I'm, I'll go ahead and open Excel, you know. Okay, well, where's the file? You're right. That all is first things first. So when we come back, we've got six more and we've got about 10 minutes. So that's what we're going to do when we come back. So Benny, if you're ready, we'll be right back. Tune into Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday of the month at noon Pacific, three o'clock Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. Join Susan and her guests as they share the stories that shift our souls about radical transformations, courageous breakthroughs, and life lessons. Three things I've learned with Susan Dolce. For more information, go to transformationtalkradio.com or visit Susan's website at susandolce.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. 
Tune in to Knowledge Book Radio with host Marge Potasic each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Through many experiences, Marge was led to the Knowledge Book, a gift to humanity in its transition to the Golden Age, and it provided the truth and the answers. She now shares information from the Knowledge Book with you each week on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information, visit USA.TheKnowledgeBook.net. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Join the new earth on the Cornelia Stephanie show. Tune in each month as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate, and empower. Cornelia Stephanie is a spiritual teacher, passionate speaker, published author, and founder of the Empower Network. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. For more information, go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Coming up is Ellen Stewart, stepping in as guest host of The Dr. Pat Show on 1150 AM KKNW and TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome back, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. I'm Ellen Stewart, the pushy broad from the Bronx, and this is Recovery Recharged. I'm here with my guest, David Blackwell, also a recovery coach, and we are giving you tips and tools in recovery that is good for everybody worried about alcohol or substance misuse, every family member that is helping that loved one, and everybody looking to self-improve in the beginning of the fall of 2020. Another one of the old adages that we use in recovery is something that we're all familiar with and we all can take heed on, and that is one day at a time. David, what do you think about that slogan? Well, the idea of having to do anything for the rest of my life is pretty overwhelming, isn't it? But if all I have to worry about is today, or if that's too much just right now, I can do that. I can worry about right this second. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, some congestion and I'm dying to cough, but can I put it off for a few minutes? Yes, I can do that. Yes, you can. Yes, I can do that. But yes. uh, one day at a time, one day at a time. And if that becomes overwhelming, one moment at a time, you know, and that's, exactly. that's been a hallmark, hasn't it? It's been a central piece of, of recovery forever. And mostly because anything beyond that can be overwhelming to me. And I may not be entirely sure I want to be sober forever. I don't have to be certain of that right now anyway, just for today. You know? That's right. No matter what. And I have seen this with everybody that's been isolating in, in, in the pandemic and, you know, and everything that's been happening. They say, I don't want to be here forever. I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to be nobody's asking you to be here forever and do this forever. What we're asking is that you take this one day at a time, back it up one day at a time, get through today. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. One of the most powerful recovery tools that everybody can take advantage of. And so is the next one. And that is let go, let God. 
So you want to touch on that briefly, David? I know this is a favorite of yours, but we don't have well, too it much is. time. <clears throat> it is. And it's really hard to talk about this in a compressed way. But uh, uh, all of those things I hold on to, uh, I think I'm holding on to them because it gives me a sense of control. If I'm really honest with myself, I've not really controlled anything. And if I can just learn to let go, then I quit having to be the one that's making everything happen in my life. And that's important for the families too. They feel like if they aren't watching every second or if they, you know, uh, uh, let their attention lapse, then everything's going to fall apart. Well, they need to let go too. And, You're right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And my experience that- has been that things work out well when I do that. And part of that is what you like and what your favorite saying is, and that is um, let the story play out. So let's talk about that briefly. I've only got it. We've only got about four minutes. So go ahead. Uh, that one has been my mantra for years. Let the story play out. Any story that you read or write is a horrible story if you put the end too early. Right. And how many times have I thought I knew what was going to happen next, or I thought I knew what someone's motivation was, or I thought I, only to find out that I was completely wrong. You know, it happens all the time. That person didn't return my email because they don't love me and they don't think highly of me and they're wanting to ignore me. And then I find out, no, they've been in the hospital for six weeks. And (laughs) you know what I mean? You're absolutely right. That goes with my favorite saying, don't write the screenplay for God's sakes. I mean, are you writing a screenplay where you know what everybody's going to say and what everybody's doing and what everybody's thinking just by a text message, for goodness? You don't know what everybody's feeling or everybody's thinking. So stop putting all of that extra energy and all of those words into your head, okay? Stop doing that unless you're really writing a screenplay. So that's the same. Yeah, I realized along those lines, I realized quite a long time ago that... that, uh, Uh, I was so certain of everyone's motivation around me that I knew why you were doing whatever it was or why you said whatever it is you said to me. But if you were to really confront me and ask me about my own motivation, I might have to think about it for a while. Now, if I can't figure out my own motivation sometimes, how on earth am I going to figure out yours? I tell my clients all the time, you've got to quit fortune telling and you've got to quit mind reading. Those things are going to kill you. You're right. You're right. And that was seven and eight and nine and nine is feelings are in facts, which we talked about before. They are not facts. And 10 would probably be an attitude of gratitude. And I think that's the most important thing, an attitude of gratitude so that we are humble, so that we understand that there are other people around us. So let's wrap up a little bit. How do you feel about that? I've um, never seen anything impact a person more than actually learning to be grateful for what is going on right now. It can, it, it helps with anxiety. It helps with depression. It helps with addiction. It helps whatever's going on with me. When I learn to be grateful, it makes such a huge difference. Perfect. Let's leave it right there. David, thank you so much for being with me on this episode of Recovery Recharge. This is Ellen Stewart, the pushy broad from the Bronx. Thank you and see you tonight. <laughs>